there, and this is It's All Good, a Block Club Chicago podcast. I'm your host, John Hansen, and this is episode 85. Can't believe we're on episode 85, and we're bringing back someone who was on an earlier episode, Mike McMains. Founder of Tours with Mike joins us to talk about his LGBTQ plus history tours, three of them he's offering. We chatted with him about ugly building tours and rat tours. And Mike, I think you're our official first return guest to the podcast. Welcome. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I listened to your podcast. I guess I didn't realize I'd be the first repeat, but yeah, thanks for having me back again, John. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Okay. What inspired you? Well, first of all, let's recap for people that didn't listen to the first sure. podcast. What are you all about? What sorts of things do you do with your tour? Yeah, so um, Tours with Mike, it's a, uh, as the name probably implies, it's me. Uh, it's, I'm a solo tour company. I aim to make architecture, design, and history through uh, fun and interesting through a combination of in-person and virtual experiences. I try to create some interesting signature tours that you're not going to find anywhere else. So I got a lot of publicity for my Ugly Buildings tour, which is an educational roast of the architecture ignored on other tours. I got a lot of uh, attention for my underground Chicago plus rats tour as we navigate uh, Chicago's hidden underside. And I talk about how rats are fascinatingly interconnected with the city's history. So I always try to come up with experiences that I'm not seeing anyone else do. So with this June being Pride Month, I thought it would be great to do uh, some LGBTQ stories tours, but I wanted to make sure that it was an, uh, an a holistic approach that's covering the entire city instead of what you would just expect on the North side. Yeah. And that's where I'm really excited about this. And we'll get to the North side tour because it is important, right? Obviously mm -hmm. this Absolutely. country's first official LGBTQ plus district there's great bars, architecture, the Legacy Walk, too. But I'm really, really glad you included the South Side and the downtown areas as well. Mm -hmm. So how do the tours work for people that don't know? Is it showing up uh, and it's you and them walking along? So I have uh, three different tours on the schedule, one for the North Side, one for the South Side, and one for the downtown. The North Side and downtown are walking tours. And the South Side's a bus tour. So I have them on the public tour schedule where people can buy their own individual tickets. They're on Fridays and Saturdays throughout this Pride Month. And then, uh, but if someone is looking to do this for their organization, their company, whatever, I can do private tours whenever they want. And so it's really flexible from that standpoint. So the, uh, so the, yeah, it's either public or private. Those are your options. And um, yeah, all the details are on my website, tourswithmike.com. Okay, let's talk about the Southside Tour. And you're going to be with a good friend of the podcast in Block Club Chicago's, Dilla, the urban historian. Yeah. So this bus tour, what are some of the stops? What are some of the highlights? And give us a little tidbits about some of these places. Kind of give us an audio, or if you're on the TV show right now, video tour of uh, some of these spots. <laughs> Yeah, so something that's great, I mean, well, just to backtrack a little bit, I'm so excited that uh, Dilla is making his bus available for me. Uh, I don't know if you've been on that bus, but it I is I have not, nice. but I hear it's awesome. It is luxurious. Like, it is comfortable. You've got great views. Um, he got this bus just last year, so it's new. So I'm excited that I'm able to rent that bus to be able to provide these tours. It starts and ends at the DeSable and it focuses predominantly in the South Loop and Bronzeville neighborhoods. Now, something that I, uh, a lot of this area, uh, and I talk about this on the tour, is that with the South Side, a lot of it has been, there's been a lot of systematic disinvestment. So a lot of our history has unfortunately been bulldozed. But 
on this tour and actually on all three of my tours, I do have a uh, supplemental website that everyone's able to get access to. It's a hidden web page that has visual aids and videos and websites. So I'll be referencing that as a supplement throughout the experience. There are still some landmarks that we'll be able to see, but to talk about these historical events, historical people, uh, and and I mean, well, and especially when I talk about music and there's not like I'm not giving music. I mean, there should be something there. So right. uh, there's lots of options that people can engage with on the uh, uh, on that website as we go along. So this tour focuses on the South Loop and Bronzeville. One of the things that I love about this tour is sharing the story of Chicago house music, uh, because it's not just one stop when we talk about house music. There's five different components that are part of it, talking about from uh, where we can see the site of uh, Old Comiskey Park, where you had the disco demolition, and then we sort of had it rise from the ashes. That's where Chicago's house music came from, that Frankie Knuckles called Disco's Revenge. We get to see, we venture a little bit outside of the South Side to take a look at the warehouse, which is slated to become uh, next Chicago uh, landmark because that's really where house music took off. We get to see the um, the what's left of Pilgrim Baptist Church, that beautiful landmark design that is where gospel music began. And it was through the gospel vocals that was infused into house music. We get to see Frankie Knuckles, the godfather of house music. We get to see uh, one of the clubs that he founded after he left the warehouse. And then I also get to talk about how house music is still going on with um, transgender uh, DJ Honey Dijon. She infused house music into Beyonce's Renaissance album and is now a Grammy nominated artist. Talk about the drag ball scene a little bit, too. Yeah, so the drag ball scene is is really exciting. So it's in multiple locations across the city. Uh, a lot of these, I mean, this was like, this was the major social event that was happening where you'd have people from all walks of life, all parts of the uh, Chicago, you'd have, and it wasn't just uh, the uh, black residents that you'd have on the South side, it was attracting people from all over Chicago. And you would have all these drag entertainers and you'd have before we had that language for it, you would also have all these transgender people that were there performing. And it would get a lot of attention, especially in the local newspaper, the Chicago Defender. And it was it's just like a really incredible experience that we had there. And it's, I mean, in the drag ball scene, it was something that was, I mean, the, the roots were in the early 20th century where you had like the first ward ball, uh, where you had these, um, where you had these it was back. I mean, if you think we have a lot of older people right now with 50, we used to have a hundred. Right. Um, so you had these two co-alder people that were in the first ward and the near South side. And they're seen as like the most corrupt people in Chicago's history. And that says a lot, but they used to host their annual first ward ball. And just the, uh, I mean, the 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 stories that are associated with that, and just like how, uh, I mean, how reporters covered it, it was it's pretty wild. So it's really there. The the ball scene is also it's not just one location; it's throughout the entire tour. Right, that's great. Okay, that's a little highlights of the Southside tour, which again mm -hmm. is on Dilla's bus. Let's go yep. downtown. What's happening in the downtown area? Yeah. So when people think of downtown, they don't really think of it as an LGBTQ hotspot, um, but it used to be. Uh, and it's because that's where you had so many people. Uh, for example, like during uh, during World War II, uh, what, what we now have is the downtown Hilton. And before that was the Stevens Hotel. In between those two eras, that was a military barracks. So you had 
you, uh, at any given time, you had like 50,000 military people stationed in downtown. So you had all these guys around all these other guys away from their friends and family. <laughs> and so there was a lot of uh, gay activity that was happening in downtown Chicago in the during World War II. And so uh, it's really interesting to see how you had that uh, that happening down there, how that was really like the the most active uh, area that you had for LGBTQ activity at that point. It's not just that World War II area. I talk about uh, things before and things after that time. So uh, if you look at things before that era, we didn't have the acronyms. We didn't have the language to say LGBTQ. It didn't exist. Um, so uh, so I get to talk about all these um, famous people who have shaped not just Chicago, but the entire world. And it's it, and I rely upon historians who have done a lot of work on, on this and research and say that it's like they say that it's very likely that this person is would be identified as LGBTQ today. It's a little tough to say back in 1900 what they would have said when right. we didn't have that. Language. But to be able to talk about like Jane Addams, the founder of Hull House, former Nobel Peace Prize uh, winner. And she was also in what's called a Boston marriage where she was with Mary Rosette Smith for about 40 years. They had uh, they were companions. And to be able to talk about her influence at different landmark spots throughout downtown Chicago, to be able to talk about Louis Sullivan, who's seen as the spiritual father of the skyscraper. Again, there's not anything that is like explicitly saying that he was gay. He never said, I am a homosexual man. But there is a lot of evidence. And there was a, uh, a, a book that went into great detail in this that was published in the 1980s. But it's it's just there's so many stories to celebrate, not just from them, but also through today, because I mean, like, I don't know if you saw earlier this year, nine of the 50 older people are openly LGBTQ. And that's pretty amazing. And it's really highlighting how the uh, it's LGBTQ people aren't just seen in these few North side neighborhoods. It's all over Chicago. Right. Um, on that note, let's head to the North side though. <laughs> uh, those, the downtown and South side tours seem cool. North side. I imagine you focus uh, around the Halston area. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I want to, whenever I approach any tour, I want to explain why things are the way they are to try to find out what are these roots? What are these foundations that you can still see today that integrate into what we see all around us? So I talk about the um, Lakeview's uh, foundation, its evolution and how it got into what we see today uh, on the tour. There's a lot of amazing public art. We see murals, we see sculptures, we see uh, historic architecture that's gone through the, these adaptive reuse conversions so they can take on new life. I talk about the um, LGBTQ organizations that established it, highlight the legacy walk, as you mentioned before. Now, something that um, that's a little new for me is uh, when I first gave this Northside tour, there's a point on the tour where I share a story about how um, during the 1980s, when no one else wanted to be around men who were afflicted with AIDS, that lesbians came in and took care of them. And they were the ones that were leading the charge for our uh, our leaders in both the um, in government and in business to really try to address this AIDS crisis. So when I told this story uh, for my first time, I started sobbing in the middle of the tour. Oh. I've never cried during an in-person tour before. And I was taken aback. I had to like pause for a while and like, give me a moment. I think that this is an important story to tell. Uh, give me a moment to compose myself. 
I gave this to her again the next day. And as I'm approaching the stop, I'm like, okay, I already know what to expect. It's going to be fine. I'm sobbing even harder the next day. Um, I mean, it's, it's a really it's powerful story. Oh yeah. And, and, and it's something that I have a, a strong connection with as an openly gay man um, with both that. Um, and then I also talk about the history of the um, of, of gay pride, uh, which used to be gay liberation and just the foundation of that. And to show that it's, it's not really about Stonewall. This was what was happening at Stonewall was happening in every city across the country. And I give examples of egregious actions that was happening in Chicago that uh, that really led to this uprising and talking about where we are with pride today, because it's it's so important. You've got 451 uh, bills that are pending in state legislatures that are looking to um, take away rights from LGBTQ people, especially the transgender population. And it's talking, uh, these bills are eliminating their uh, uh, the bodily autonomy for transgender people, restricting their access to health care, uh, controlling how they present themselves in public, and, uh, and, and so on and so on. And I think that it's just, it's really important to talk about these stories and the work that we have left to do. Yeah. And I think you just answered the why for me, right? Like I, obviously it's cool to do a pride tour or three in, in June, and it's a great way to get more people to see what you do. Uh, but I appreciate you sharing that, why it's important to you and why it's important to the community. It's, it's a celebration of where we've been and where we've come, but a remembrance of why it started in the first place and the battles left to be fought, right? I, I think that any good tour isn't about just using your eyes to look at something. It's using your mind to think about something. And it sounds like you really go to great lengths to put things into context for people. Yeah, I mean, I really try. I mean, if you're just doing an experience where it's like, here's a date, here's an event, here's a person, that's a really boring tour. Um, <laughs> if, you're not, if you're not explaining why, if you're not focusing on storytelling, if you're not weaving together these stops together um, and, and the content that you present, if you're not weaving it together into a cohesive story, then, I mean, it, it, it's going to be a dull experience. And I really try to not do that. <laughs> I right. mean, I, I'm, I'm biased, um, but I, I mean, it's something that's a big focus of mine that I really want this to be a special, um, a special experience. And the reviews that I've had that have come in from these um, LGBTQ stories tours have really been uh, very meaningful for me that people see that these tours are very heartfelt. This is a, uh, these are tours that mean a lot to me. And I think that's coming across in these tours and, and not always, be, not just because I cry during them, but, uh, but <laughs> be, because I think that they're really important stories to tell. And, uh, and a lot of people aren't talking about them. For sure. Tourswithmike.com is where you can go. They're walking tours downtown and on the North side, those are $30 each. It's 45 bucks on the South side. That's because you get on Dilla's fancy bus that extra yep. 15 bucks and there'll be supplemental websites you follow along with and see the history. Mike, great stuff. Thanks for sharing it with us. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me back on the show. This is great. We'll have you back on again. You just got to keep coming up with great tours. Like you always do, Mike. I'm not lacking new content. <laughs> ideas. <laughs> That's great. Lock Club Chicago is also on the radio on WGN on the morning show, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday mornings. And it's Seamus Toomey from Block Club Chicago. Is it still a happy anniversary time for you guys, Seamus? 
It is ab absolutely still happy anniversary time. Uh, we hit our five-year birthday yesterday. All right. Um, we've been publishing for five years, and uh, we're extremely excited to still be around. It's the, new <laughs> the news industry is a tough business, so we're proud that uh, we've weathered the first five years, and we're hoping to, to keep growing. So check us out at blockclubchicago.org. Well, we're extremely happy to have you on with us here for Extremely Local News, and Lord knows we need more uh, local news operations that's for sure. Let's talk about what's going on around here today. The greatest footballer in history comes to town, and we say footballer meaning soccer, and it's Messi, isn't it? That's right. Uh, Lionel Messi is scheduled to come to Chicago uh, October 4th. Uh, he, they're still working out the deals for him to switch over to uh, the Inter-Miami uh, football club. But uh, people are already circling the date when he might come to Chicago. And I wouldn't say, Bob, it's quite a Taylor Swift fever level <laughs> for uh, for tickets at Soldier Field. But, uh, you know, we've been checking in on them. They're about 300 bucks for the, for the uh, cheapest ticket. And you can, you know, pay through really a lot. Lot more if you want to sit a little bit closer but uh, um, you know the the fire doesn't uh, you know typically fill up uh, soldier field so uh, we'll see if if, uh, if Messi can fill the stadium when people get a chance to see what um, you know many people think is the the greatest footballer uh, ever so we'll uh, see know, it's October I, I 4th I don't know yeah October 4th I don't know if you see more uh, Messi jerseys around the world or more Jordan jerseys it, it's close isn't it it's close, but I would never go against Michael Jordan. No. So, uh, Michael Jordan, best ever <laughs> at anything. Uh, we have good news uh, for Wicker Park this morning, don't we? Yes. You know, uh, Wicker Park was, you know, long in, known as a sort of an arts community. And it's it, as it's gotten more popular, it's kind of gotten away from that a little bit. Some chain stores have moved in and prices have gone up. But there's there's a, a push for at least one uh, large spot on Milwaukee Avenue, right really in the heart of Wicker Park to kind of get back to its roots. Um, there's a, uh, a big project that they want to build a, an art center and an uh, arts incubator. It would have galleries on the ground floor and studios upstairs, maybe a community center. Um, it's called the uh, the Equity Arts Center, and it would be at uh, 1550 North Milwaukee Avenue. They just got a $5 million grant from the city to get the project moving along. They're still fundraising for it, too, and there's a lot of work to be done. But this would, for anyone that's gone up and down Milwaukee or lives in Wicker Park, you would recognize it's the Lubinsky Furniture Shop um, is there now, and they're trying to work out a deal there. The uh, Lubinsky Furniture Shop has a, a dear place in our heart because our Wicker Park reporter, Elisa Hauser, used to work out of one of the uh, desks in the back. Oh, wow. Uh, the, the desk was for sale at the time, but uh, they let her use it while, uh, <laughs> while she was covering the neighborhood because we like to put our reporters actually in the neighborhood, sometimes in the furniture shop. <laughs> yeah, got to get close to the news. And let's uh, do the animal story of the day now. Animal story of the day. It was the uh, the great bunny hunt in Rogers Park over the weekend. Um, someone uh, someone let loose about twelve uh, pet bunnies at uh, the Metro tracks at uh, uh, Ravenswood and Farwell. Um, pet bunny. I know we've seen bunnies all over the uh, outside, but the, these pet bunnies can't make it more than a couple days out in the wild. They are. They said they will die a horrible death uh, if uh, if they're let out. So someone uh, probably couldn't care for them. They had uh, had a litter of bunnies and just decided to dump them, figuring they might be okay out 
on the tracks, but uh, no, so they were spotted. And there was 30 volunteers over three days, Bob, <laughs> going through the woods along the Metro tracks, searching and trying to catch these little tiny bunnies. They said it was a real chore. Uh, they were able to round up five of them. Um, they're going to... Uh, de-tick them and uh, put them up for adoption. But uh, yeah, just it was a reminder from the Red Animal, Red Door Animal Shelter that uh, if you buy bunnies around Easter and you can't care for them <laughs> come summer when they start to get bigger, do not leave them outside. They won't make it. Uh, call a shelter, call Animal Care, and they can, uh, they can make sure that they're going to be okay. But uh, good news, they named them uh, Shortline, Tracks, Choo Choo, Smokestack, and Caboose. Uh, and no word on the other uh, seven or so bunnies that are still on the loose in Rogers Park. Hope hope they're okay. It's a cool neighborhood, but uh, there's also some hawks and some other predators. Uh-oh. And I know we'll talk about this tomorrow, and uh, Block Club uh, has certainly been following this story in, in Fulton Market. Uh, two large projects uh, that will be among the tallest buildings in the area west of downtown Chicago are up for approval today. The Chicago Plan Commission is going to consider zoning applications at their meeting today for a 30-story office tower on Green Street and a 46-story residential building, uh, 1300 West Lake. And I, I know, Seamus, you've, you've been covering what's going on there in the area, and they've certainly got a lot of problems, uh, parking problems. I know the restaurant owner's business leaders and community leaders want more surveillance cameras they they want improvements with the cta and on lake street there where you've got that stretch of street with the center lane columns so how and i i think they'll they'll approve this right they typically approve uh, matters on their agenda it'll get sent to the city council for final action i know but with all the congestion and problems there adding these two giant buildings that's not going to help is it Right. You know, this is that that neighborhood has almost grown faster than the infrastructure than it can support right. uh, to some degree. Yeah. Uh, it just got so hot when Google got there and all those all those old warehouses were just primed for for flipping because those businesses could survive in other parts of the city very easily, especially if they got paid handsomely for the land. But I, I'm with you. I am a no fan of uh, of try to park down there, certainly, mm -hmm. or even drive through it. Um, mm -hmm. But um, it is, you know, there's parts of it that are gorgeous that they've maintained and they've just renovated the buildings and they've put in cobblestone. So it's a very vibrant neighborhood. You go through there and you think about <laughs> what it looked like 20 years ago, and it's it's yeah. one of the most startling uh, turnarounds in, in Chicago. But yes, with it comes all of those problems, um, really the, like the traffic and the parking and, and all that. But uh, if, I guess if you're on a, on a bike or walking around, it's much more uh, livable. But mm -hmm. uh, for folks trying to find a parking spot, <laughs> good luck. These buildings are really huge, um, and it's just amazing. Every time they build something 40 stories and more west of the Kennedy, it just blows my mind because, you know, we never saw that growing up. That's it right. Always, it was always just congregated downtown. Well, you hit it on the head. Uh, the infrastructure has not kept up with the explosion over there of great restaurants and, and offices and so forth. And I'm sure we'll be we'll be talking about it tomorrow. Seamus Toomey, Block Club Chicago. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. Thanks, Bob. And that'll do it for It's All Good, Block Club Chicago podcast. We'll be dropping new stories on you every single week this month. This month, it'll be Pride-related stuff. And, uh, of course, we get all sorts of other great coverage at blockclubchicago.org. Head to the website, subscribe to the newsletter, become a donor, all that good stuff. 
All right, we'll drop another pod on you next week. Till then, I'm John Hanson. Take care. 